there, different makers. You are listening to episode number three of the Primary Teacher Friends podcast. Today, I have brought along an expert in our field, an incredible guest, the one, the only, Dr. Jean, and we are going to give you three super simple and easy to implement active learning strategies that will engage your learners, no matter if you are in the classroom or teaching virtually. Are you ready? You are tuned in to the Primary Teacher Podcast. Now, if your job description doesn't consist of teaching little people to read, develop, succeed, and grow, you're probably in the wrong place. But if you do teach kindergarten, first, or second grade, well, you're what we call a difference maker, and you're among friends here. And now, your host, primary teacher, content creator, and little people fanatic, Tony Mullins. Teacher friends, you are in for an excellent treat today. Dr. Jean is just a breath of fresh air in a field that is totally saturated with too much boredom. Am I allowed to say that? Anyway, joining me today is Dr. Jean Feldman. She has been an educator for five decades, serving as a classroom teacher instructor of adults, author, and a consultant. She has written 25 books for early educators and has produced 16 CDs. Her engaging songs and creative activities help make teaching and learning fun. I met Dr. Jean in my early days as a teacher at a conference in Lexington, Kentucky, and she had such a profound impact on me. I followed her advice and her Facebook group ever since. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's get over to our interview. Hello, Dr. Jean, and thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here and share with everybody today. Oh, yes, we're so glad to have you, Dr. Jean. On your website, there's a beautiful quote for your visitors that says, thank you for letting me put a song in the hearts of children. I just love that, first of all. Could you take a few moments and tell us more about your journey as an educator and as a cheerleader for other teachers? All right. Well, I'd be happy to. Um, Somebody once said, um, Dr. Jean is old as dirt, and I am old as dirt, but I have been in education for 50 years. I've been here a long time, and as crazy as the world is right now, children are the same. They are just the same as they were when I started teaching 50 years ago. They want to be loved. They want to sing and play and have fun with their friends, and they want to feel competent and capable. Uh, You know, Tony, sometimes when people want to introduce me as a musician, I go, no, I'm not a musician. I'm just a teacher who likes to sing. I don't play instruments. But um, there's, you know, when you give children a song, it will stay in their hearts and it will stay in their minds. And there are people with dementia and Alzheimer's that don't know their own family members, but they can sing songs that they learned when they were little. Our world has become such a tap and swipe 
world for little children. But when they sing, their brain lights up like a Christmas tree. It's multi-sensory and it's a happy thing and it's engaging. When we sing, your brain emits endorphins, it makes you happy. In the old days, we used to sing more. Families would sing in the car and we sang at camp and we sang at church and we didn't always have instrumental music, we just sang. And I think we've lost that as a society. Um, and so, you know, most of my music is canned now and I'd rather people use canned music and watch my videos than um, not do it at all. But I think, you know, we need to remember to turn it off. There's nothing like getting down on the floor and looking children in the eyes and holding their little hands and singing a song with them. There's still magic there. And yeah, you're going to put it in their heart. They're never going to forget that. Absolutely. And I'll just say that that does not only apply to children because I get your songs looping in my head <laughs> all the time. And that goes right along with our topic today, Dr. Jean, uh, which, uh, of course, is all about active learning. And I just want to say that those strategies you just shared have a lot to do with our new book that we just released, The Virtual Classroom Survival Guide. And that was such a fun experience getting to do that with you and Laura and Barbara. Could you let our uh, listeners know uh, about the four sections that are included there in the book? There is nothing out there. Everything that everybody's pushing now for the digital classroom seems to be technology and devices. And we are forgetting teaching is a relationship that that is where it begins and it, and some people think oh well we can't have that connection online that is not true you can connect and that's what well, the part first part of our book is called ready that's where you make the connections with the families and the children and we have got to get the whole family to buy into this and to support the children and get them ready for school and sit up and have your table to work on and you know be dressed and ready to learn and so the next part of the book is set and uh, these are just tools that supplies children can have to help them do interactive learning in the class the digital classroom uh, we talk a lot about emotional literacy we have all been through a trauma and our little children my goodness we we just have to love them and and help them deal with those emotions it's okay and and how do we put words and terms on those emotions and what we're feeling and so that's a big part of it too um, go these you can play games with kids online and get just as much skill development as you can with tap and swipe. In fact, more so, the more senses you activate, the more likely the message will get to the brain. Think of senses as pathways to the brain. When you tap and swipe and use a device, you don't get a whole lot. But when they play musical chairs and they march around the chair and when the music stops, they sit down and they pick up their whiteboard and the teacher makes a sound mm, and then they write it and they hold it up. That's active learning and that's how you develop skills at the same time and then the last section just for fun um we have to give children memories fun memories and so if you can do that online maybe every friday is fabulous friday and they get to wear a hat on friday or maybe stuffed animal day and they all bring their stuffed animal and share it letting them share something from their home that's the way you build relationships in that classroom fan uh, family and our book has tools and um, we 
are committed to the whole child. And a lot of people, you know, for some reason, they think it's just the child's brain. <laughs> and that infer- It's the whole child. It, it is not just one part of them. They're socially and emotionally, physically and cognitively, that whole child. And that is what we are so committed to with this book. And every, every parent that hears this um, podcast, please make sure that you ask your teachers, that you watch and say, what are you doing for active learning? Uh, please make sure your administrators listen to this and know that it's, you know, a four-year-old is different than a 13-year-old. And um, we have got to, you know, wake up and realize these are just sweet little children. And we've got to meet the needs of that whole child. And just as you said, Dr. Jean, they're moving more towards devices and using that device fully. But as early educators, we know the importance of actually moving around and getting those kids active during our instruction. Let's start with a clear definition of exactly what active learning is. The formal definition is any learning activity in which the students interact with the learning process rather than just passively taking on the information. My own more fun definition is learning activities that get kids moving, singing, and dancing because all of those things activate the brain and make the process of remembering things easier for kids. Now, here is a quote that is included in the Virtual Classroom Survival Guide that I just love so much. Benjamin Franklin said, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember involve me and I learn. Even though we don't need brain research to prove its benefits, I know you have done an incredible amount of studying in this area, Dr. Jean. So what does brain researchers have to say about active learning? Teaching is what the teacher does. Learning is what the student does. And when you look at the brain research, it's really common sense. You, When I started reading like 25 years ago, and I got so interested in it, I went, oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I know, you know, the more they say and write, the more they will remember. The more they sing and move, and that's why sign language is so good, Um, they will remember. Um, Stories uh, are so good for helping children remember. Repetition is important. You you can't just do something one time and have it stick in the brain. It takes seven to 25 times for muscle memory. So that's the advantage of playing a game or singing a song. You've got that natural built-in repetition that they will want to do it again and again. Oh, yes. It just encourages you to repeat it because they love it so much. So now that we're clear on the importance of active learning and exactly what it is, let's get into these three easy strategies that our teacher friends can take from here and use in their in-person or the virtual classroom. Dr. Jean, the active learning strategy number one is use motions or sign language. And before I let you talk about the sign language side of things, I wanted to let our listeners know how I incorporate movement specifically in my sight word and letter and sound instruction so for each word I have created a simple motion in the classroom we call those signals that the students use whenever they see a word so if you think of the word look the signal is to hold your hands like binoculars over your eyes 
And that is the word look. And then I have my students use a simple phrase. I look through my binoculars. Look, look, look. So on those three looks there, they're holding their binoculars to their eyes. So when they repeat that over and over and over, when they see that word, that word becomes more memorable to them. And I also use the same strategy for letters and sounds. I have a simple motion that they use to associate each letter with the sound. So if you think of the word, if you think of the letter, a, the word apple, they hold their hand out like they're holding an apple. And then when they make the sound, they're moving it towards their mouth. It goes like this. A, apple, ah, ah, ah. So that really helps them. Those simple motions and movement are a great way to incorporate active learning, but it just gives you so many benefits. If anyone listening would like to have access to those motions that I use for sight words, you can get your free copy at teachertony.com forward slash sight words. Or if you're interested in the letter and sound motions, go to teachertony.com forward slash letter fluency. Both of those links will be included down in the show notes. So could you tell us about using sign language in the classroom? Somebody once said sign language is like bubble gum. It helps things stick in the brain. And I'm not an expert on sign language. And, And that's what's cool about what you did. You just took you know, the word and what does it mean to me and turn it in. So um, there are lots of different ways that you can do this. But I think the important thing is that movement that you tie in to put that in the brain. There are certain skills that that we know uh, children have to master, sight words, numbers, letters, sounds, things like that. And so when you add the movement, that just makes the children more engaged. I mean, otherwise they're sitting there watching the teacher or going to tap and swipe. And that doesn't get a whole lot in the brain. But when they are actually moving and doing it, it goes to the brain. Absolutely. And it's just more fun. Let's just say it like it is. It's just more fun that way. And you know what? And the teacher adds the magic. You, you can take anything, and with your positive attitude and your enthusiasm, you're going to make the kids love it. Absolutely. So that was strategy number one, which is to use motions in sign language. Let's talk about strategy number two, Dr. Jean. I credit this to you. The fun game that you call Show Me, and there is a lot of resources for the Show Me game included in our virtual classroom survival guide. But could you just tell us what that game looks like? Every child's going to be involved, okay? And so, and you can adapt this to colors, letters, numbers, whatever it is, sight words, whatever, that they have their little like index cards with, let's say, the shapes on them. And they spread the shapes out, maybe six or eight basic shapes. And the teacher says, I'm looking for a shape that has three sides. Can you find the shape that has three sides? So they pick it up. And then the teacher says, one, two, three, show me. And everybody holds up the triangle. Well, Children can immediately look around and see what the triangle looks like. And if they've got the wrong thing, they can go back and they can fix it up and self-correct by looking at the teachers. And that's what's good. Everybody's doing something. You've got that immediate feedback that they can self-correct and look at it. Absolutely. And what I love about Show Me is that can be adapted to fit any content level. Dr. Jean, I'm going to link 
uh, in the show notes a video you did specifically that talked more about the game Show Me. That way our listeners can actually see how that game looks. Let's move on to strategy number three. And I cannot wait to try this with my kiddos. Uh, It is called Musical Chairs. And Laura Buonadonna, one of our helpers in creating this great resource, brought this uh, great game out and told us about it. Dr. Jean, could you describe how to play the game? So all the children stand up and you play some catchy music and they walk around the chair. And when the music stops, they sit down in the chair. They have their whiteboard or sticking up in the chair and they pick it up and the teacher would hold up like a dot card and then they would write that number on the sticky note and hold it up and self-correct. So it's just a real fun way to get them to repeat some information that you might be working on. I also like that start and stop because we know the executive function is a big predictor of academic success. And one of the aspects of executive function is they can begin and stop a task, task initiation, task completion. So when they can self-regulate and stop and pick it up and write something, you're helping them socially too um, develop some good, you know, learning habits. Okay, so all kinds of benefits there. And as the other uh, strategies that we shared, that can also be adapted to fit any content need. So just so something so simple and easy, but so fun and engaging and for know, our kids. Wouldn't third graders love to do that too? To march around the chair and then they sit down and then the teacher asks them uh, a question from a science unit. Um, where what habitat is a penguin from? And they would write it down and hold it up. I mean... I'm thinking 30 year olds would like that, Dr. Jane, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm 30. I think it sounds fun for me to try better than just sitting and and watching very passively at a screen. Just some some reason to move would be great every now and then. Dr. Jean, that wraps up our strategies. And I want to take a moment and uh, let you tell our listeners how they can connect with you. What is your best means uh, to get up with you and to see you and to learn more from Well, you. I have a blog, drjeanandfriends.blogspot.com. If you go there, almost anything that you would want to know about, um, because for over 10 years, every day, I've written a blog. Um, if you just put what you're interested in in the search engine, something will pop up. If it doesn't pop up, like last week, a girl wanted a song with six feet apart, let me know and I'll try to come up with something to help you with that. I also have a website, drgene.org, and I have lots of free activities and resources that you can download there. I have over 200 YouTube videos. Some of them are for teachers, training videos. Most of them are for children's songs that you can sing with them. Um, I did a lot of songs and stories for the virtual classroom last spring to share with children. So those are some different places. And, um, you know, I love what I do. I just think it's important um, after 50 years at this rodeo that I give back to children and to teachers. So thank you for letting me do that. Oh, you do a wonderful job, Dr. Jean, and I cannot let you go without asking you to please sing us a goodbye song so that we'll have one in our hearts that we can share with our kids in the classroom. May there always be sunshine. May there always be blue skies. May there always be children. May there always be you. 
May there always be stories. May there always be music. May there always be teachers as special as you. Don't let them take away your joy and don't let them make you forget that why you became a teacher, it was to love children and to help them be the best they can be. Oh, you're the best, Dr. Jean. Thank you for being here. Take care. God bless everybody. Isn't her energy refreshing? Maybe I'm a little bit of a Dr. Jean fanatic too, but that was just great, timeless advice. All of the links mentioned in our conversation today can be found down in the show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to jump over to our Facebook community, Primary Teacher Friends, and request to join. We are getting tons and tons of members just like you, passionate teachers that want to collaborate. Until we meet again, go make a difference, teacher friend.